so I would guess that the scripture that we're using today is a real familiar one for you. I know it is for me. You've heard of the Great Commission, correct? That's this, or Matthew's version of this that we're going to look at today. Um, oh, that's funny. I hope I put it right in here. <laughs> yeah, I did. My notes say Luke, but it's Matthew. <laughs> now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. May God open our minds and grant us understanding in a new way of these words today. The word of God for the people of God. So today we we conclude our march that we've done toward, you know, after the Easter stories, the post-resurrection stories, we're at the point now where this is the last one. We'll begin to talk about Acts next week. So this is the last one. And I have to tell you that I've enjoyed lingering over those resurrection stories. I've enjoyed the fact that we haven't let Easter go too quickly. That that we've listened to these stories of, of all kinds of emotions, of doubt and hope, of joy and sorrow. And we've kind of rested with them as we walked this path this year. I wonder what comes to mind when I mention the Great Commission to you. Are you like me and you hear that, oh, the Great Commission, that's the thing we're supposed to be doing and my knees knock? Are you, are you that kind of a person where when it says go make disciples, you're like, I don't know how to do that? Or are you a person that says, oh, I get to do that? Or are you somewhere between that? I'm guessing I'm somewhere between. The things that, that I've heard through the years when people hear this scripture, the things that I've heard from others is um, that makes me really nervous, that idea of having a great commission because I'm not going door to door with flyers. I'm not going to put something on every car in Walmart parking lot or in Fred Meyer parking lot or in Safeway's parking lot. I'm not going to do that. That is not my thing. Um, and I'm not going to be that person who stands out on the street corner preaching. I'm not going to hold those signs. I'm not going to do that. I've heard people say that when they hear that, that, that thing, that this is the Great Commission. But, you know, I don't think this is about that. Bear with me a little bit, and we'll, we'll talk more about why I think that. 
First off, I want to tell you about a man that I have observed at the Hillsboro Farmer's Market for a number of years. Um, this man is uh, ageless, probably 70, you know, and sometimes you can't tell, wearing a very old black suit, complete with the, the string tie, and he holds in his hands a battered, what I thought was a Bible, but when I looked at it one day, it's a battered hymnal. The pages are tattered and torn. The binding is about falling off. And he stands there on the corner singing the old hymns. He has this beautiful, deep, baritone voice that, that fills the whole area. And, you know, as I'm, as I'm looking at that, the first time I went there, I looked around to find the, you know, how they'll have a little basket or a tub for you to put money in. I looked for that and it wasn't there. I looked around for signs that would say, hey, come to Jesus or something. You know, I'm, I'm trying to change you to be like me. I, I looked around for those, those weren't there. I don't know his story at all. And I'm talking, this is probably eight or nine years I have seen this man. He doesn't speak to anybody, but he sings. You know, the old rugged cross, in the garden, all of those, you know, those, those old hymns that my mother and my grandmother held dearly. And I see him doing that. And as I look, as I think back, when I hold the Great Commission in one hand and I hold this memory in the other, I'm thinking that this person is, is exercising his call, his commission. I don't know exactly what that would be because he doesn't speak. He sings. So I'm holding those two things together. And, you know, I have to tell you, I'm not going to be that person singing on the corner. Number one, I could never project over the noise. My voice doesn't go that loud or that far. Carrying a tune, if I have a strong voice next to me, I can do that, but otherwise forget it. Those are not my gifts, but they're his. And so, as we look at this idea of a commission, a direction, something we think we should or could or need to do, I want to caution you that we don't all have the same gifts. We don't. One person is good doing one thing and another person is good at doing, doing another and we don't all have the same gifts. And so, as I look at this scripture, I'm reminded that Jesus knew the people he was talking to. And he knew what gifts they had. But then, the Great Commission. And I don't think on a day-to-day -day basis we know exactly what to do with this. 
And I often ask the question, just how is that supposed to work? But it's in the Bible, you know. There should be a way to make it work. So as we look at that story, we're reminded that Jesus, this was after the resurrection, he appeared to the 11 disciples in Jerusalem. He told them to meet him on a mountain in Galilee. Galilee was 90 miles away from Jerusalem, kind of to the north. Now, I don't know about you, I don't think I've ever walked 90 miles. Have any of you ever walked 90 miles in one shot? I haven't done that. So it wasn't an easy journey. And so I wonder why that journey? Why did Jesus direct them there? I think, you know, in part, that was where their um, early ministry happened was in Galilee. We're told that when they saw Jesus, however, that they worshipped him. And then there's that little piece that said, but some doubted. And I love that there, there's worship and doubt kind of in the same sentence. That, that those two things can be together. So Jesus continues to teach them. He reminds them of his authority and he gave them their marching orders. Making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them everything that they had themselves been taught. Pretty straightforward, okay? We've got making disciples, baptizing, teaching, those things. It might seem simple, but I don't think it is. Not when we consider everything and I ask again the question, just how is this supposed to work? Especially in the here and now. If we, decide, if we have thought that doing that making disciples piece was difficult in the past, it is so much more difficult now, more complex. The last two years have added to that complexity you know, many of the strategies that churches did for years and years and years didn't work. They just didn't in that last two years. And I don't think we've exactly figured out how to do it yet. But I believe that this scripture has something for us. So you're not going to find me knocking on doors. You're not going to find me doing cold calling unless someone has asked me to call. You're not going to find me going up and down our neighborhoods expecting people to open their doors because it's really not safe in our world today. And here's another piece of that discipleship or that making disciples thing. We don't all live in the same neighborhood used to be that people lived in the same neighborhood. I live in Hillsborough. Gail, you have the places that you live. Linda and Marshall live somewhere else. Karen, you're up the street. 
you know, when we begin to kind of map out where we all live, it's not a same neighborhood. And so how do we make disciples? How do we, what is that all about? How does that work in the here and in the now? I had this most magnificent conversation with my husband on the way to the airport at five o'clock this morning as we were talking about this scripture and he pointed something out to me that I want to share with you because it makes a difference on how you see this commission. So when we look at the kind of the movements of that, the first up is the word go. Now, often go is translated as a command. You go. So we're thinking that you're going somewhere. You have to, you know, go to the mission field, go to downtown St. John's, or go, go somewhere. It's that we kind of have in our heads that go piece. But, you know, when you look at the Greek word that is translated that command go, it's not a command at all. It's going. While you are going, do these things. While you are going, while you are living, do these things. Huh. You mean I don't have to do anything special? I don't have to go anywhere special? So we have that word go. Then the next word is make. When we think about make, what does it mean to make disciples? Well, I think in this case, it's making is equipping and empowering and building up and helping one to grow. So, go make disciples. The word for disciples are the learners. So, while you are going, make the learners. Help them to learn. See, doesn't that change things, Betty? Doesn't that change if you're if you're it takes a lot of the fear out, doesn't it? So, go make disciples. The baptizing piece, um, that can be interpreted a hundred different ways, whether it's sprinkled or immersed or whatever. And so, um, I don't think there's any way we can change. Um, we can look at that other than what it is. It's baptizing in whatever way you're accustomed to do that. But then there's this other word, teach. And what you are to teach is to teach the learners how to obey all that I have commanded you. Matthew holds out a lot of examples in his gospel. In fact, in Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount. There's a few things from there. One of Jesus' teachings were Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember that? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek and the peacekeepers. And then there's that little piece where he says, you are the salt of the earth. 
You are the light of the world. If we're teaching those learners that they are the salt of the earth, if they are the light of the world. I was in a session with uh, um, last Friday night with the clergy and families and a lady by the name of Belva Brown Taylor kind of gave the, the talk. And she is the acting president of Disciples Seminary Foundation um, with Claremont Seminary in California. And she did something in that talk that just amazed me. We had two young adults who are graduating from seminary that are on the track to be ordained in the disciples. And they are Chuck and Gagnol. And so she's talking about how ritual is so important. She's talking about how she sings, you know, I want Jesus to walk with me and how that's all a part of her, her routine and her thing. And then she looks at Chuck. Chuck serves as uh, <clears throat> an assistant chaplain in the, in the Oregon State Penitentiary System. And she looks at Chuck and she says, Chuck, you are a hero. You are so brave. You have the power within you to change the world. And then she looks at Gagnol. Gagnol has a theology degree from Korea, but he went to seminary here in the United States because he wants to be able to, to lead church, the Korean church here in the United States. And she looked at Gagnol, who's up in the, he's the AV person, so he's up in the balcony, and she said, Gagnol, you are a hero. You are so brave. You heard a call and nothing got in your way. Gagnol, I believe in you. I believe in you. I think that what she said to those two young men is right in line with teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Where she's speaking words of life into their light, their lives. You know, it's something that we can do right here with anyone that we meet. Anyone that we interact with. Anyone that we Facebook message or whatever. I'm not even really sure how some of those things work. I have Instagram, but I never use it. But those people that we interact in that way, I got asked one time, why do you post so many positive things on Facebook? And I said, why not? I would rather put something positive out there than complain. Speaking this kind of truth brings life and light to someone's soul. So those things, those commands, all I have commanded you to, to obey them, love God, love neighbor, love self. Powerful words, powerful teaching. And finally, we come to, to my 
favorite part of this Great Commission. The remember part. Remember, I am with you. And you know, I think it's unfortunate that most of our Bible translations say to the end of the age because it's not the end of the age. When you look at the Greek, it's, I will be with you all of the days. I will be with you all of the days. That means today. That means tomorrow. That means next Thursday. That means day 1,463 or 1,005,000. It means all of the days. So, as we look at this Great Commission, first we go, not really, we just keep going. As first we go, then what happens? Anybody remember? What happens after? Look at your beginning of your bulletin. Look at your front page. What happens after going? Mm -hmm. So first you go. Then you make that empowering piece. Then you teach all that I've commanded. Love God, love neighbor, love self. And then you remember you're never, ever, 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 ever alone. Because I am with you all of the days. Go, make, teach, and remember. These were the final words in the Gospel of Matthew. Means that we don't have to go into change all by ourselves. It means that we don't have to have all the answers. Oh, thank goodness I don't have to have all the answers. I get the opportunity to, to teach to equip. And so do you. It's not just my job. It's not just your future pastor's job to do those things because this was written to you all, not a singular you. It's a plural. And so as we go forth into the world that's, that's around us, this world that has changed beyond anything we could imagine, we are not alone. We will figure this out because our job is actually pretty simple. And we're just going. We're just going. We're just living. We're just loving. And while we're doing that, God is active. God is creating and recreating and redeeming, sustaining all of those things 
God is with us all of the days. God's Spirit is with us all of the days. As we navigate the next weeks and months, as our pastoral selection committee is going to meet this coming week to get things rolling, I hope that you remember this. At times it will will seem like things are moving slow and other times it will seem like they're moving incredibly fast. But Jesus is with us, what? All the days. I encourage you to remember who you are and whose you are and whose church this is. As we begin to get ready to welcome our neighbors, as we already provide food for the hungry, as we work together as a team, remember that all the days, every day. Amen.